Hey everyone, this is Yvette Hampton. Welcome back to the Schoolhouse Rocked podcast. I'm back today with Scott LaPierre and we are talking about finances and using our finances in a way that honors the Lord. Before we get back into our conversation, I wanna thank our sponsor for this episode, CTC Math. If you guys are looking for a great online math program, go to ctcmath.com, check them out for free and see if they're a good fit for you, ctcmath.com. Scott has a new book out called Your Finances, God's Way, and it just gives so much practical wisdom and advice and resources on just how we can honor the Lord with what He has entrusted to us. We talked in the last episode about being stewards and that nothing that we have belongs to us. The money that we have, the houses that we have, the children that we have, the cars that we have, everything that we hold in our hands, it all belongs to the Lord. The earth is the Lord's and everything that's in it belongs to Him. And so He is faithful to provide for us the things that we need. And we've talked about this on the podcast many times in relation to homeschooling and that we often feel like, you know, we've got to be part of that charter school so that we can make sure that they will pay for our our curriculum and and our kids' dance classes and our field trips and this and that. Or we need to, you know, mom has to go to work so that we can have extra money for all the extra fun things that we need or for the extra big box curriculum, whatever it is we think that we need. And that's, that's not trusting in the Lord completely. And I'm not saying that God doesn't provide in other ways oftentimes. But what I'm saying is God is so faithful to provide and we don't always have to take control of it. We don't have to say, well, I'm going to figure this out myself and I'm going to figure out how to uh, provide for my family to homeschool or to do the things that we want to do. This is where we pray about it. And we just say, Lord, we trust you. This is what our needs are. God knows our needs better than we do. And um, so we trust him to meet our needs. We've seen it firsthand as a family for many, many years now. Hmm how God has just met our needs in the most miraculous ways. And I've shared that with our audience many, many times. Um, But I know that financial hardships can also cause a lot of tension in a family. And especially, of course, with a husband and wife. And this can be a thing that, you know, you you see it in headlines, you read it in books, things uh, where, where financial burdens and financial stress, it can tear apart a marriage. And so, mm-hmm. Scott, I would love for you to encourage uh, the the couple right now, maybe mom's listening, maybe mom and dad are both listening, who just need some encouragement. They're struggling financially. They're not sure what to do um, mm-hmm. or how to you know, bring life back into their marriage because the burden of their financial situation is so heavy on them, mm-hmm. and they may not know how to trust the Lord in this. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, one of the first things I'd say of it is they're not alone. Finances are one of the top three marriage problems. Um, The other two, just if people are curious, are in-laws and parenting. Mm. So parenting in-laws and finances are the three big issues, uh, most common issues in marriage. And so if if people are struggling uh, in their marriage because of financial issues, then just recognize there's a lot of other couples in that category as well. You, You had mentioned something earlier that's good to keep in mind that the Lord is going to provide for us. I mean, Matthew 6, 33, um, seek first the kingdom of God and all these things will be added to you. And kind of the idea, I think, is we're supposed to go through life striving to do the things God wants us to do and then trusting that he's going to pick up the tab. Yep. And I offer that as an encouragement that if we're committed to trying to do the things that we believe the Lord has led us to do, then we can also expect him to um, provide for us through that. And so sometimes when we might not be feeling provided for, it might be a question of, well, what do we need to do differently? What are we 
why is why is God not meeting our needs? Well, maybe these aren't needs that need to be met, and we need to to make some changes here. Um, and so, yeah, marriage can be tough. Marriage is the union of two, to be candid, selfish people, yeah. um, sinful people with all, and this is the case for all of us, myself and, and Katie as well. And I mentioned this in the previous episode, we're not, actually finances were one of, were one of our first fights and have been one of our most common disagreements because we grew up so differently mm-hmm. with Katie having so much, um, her dad dealing with thousands of dollars and it's kind of giving her a hundred dollars to spend here and there. And then we get married and it's like school teacher <laughs> and then pastor, you know, we don't, <laughs> we don't have money, money to um, throw around. And so, it, it, so then the question becomes, well, how can we, uh, you know, make sure that we are not having or resolving these issues. And a lot of it comes down to communication. It's really important that there is enough trust in a marriage that people are talking about purchases. People feel incredibly betrayed when they find out, mm. generally, it's the person that is more frugal that is offended toward the person who's less frugal. Right. And it's the person who has a bigger spending problem that then wants to kind of hide the purchase from the other person. And it's a, it's a real betrayal there. People do feel betrayed because they know someone is hiding something mm. um, you know, from them. And so one thing is just to be... It, generally, if you ever feel like you want to hide something from your spouse, assuming it's not like a surprise party or something, then you know you're probably doing something, something wrong. And one of the most common things that people try to hide from their spouses are purchases. Mm. And even if they're successful a couple times, they're going to get caught. Their spouse is going to be upset. And so just have the the open communication where we're going to bring these purchases uh, to to the table. We're going to discuss them. And we're going to be on the same page before we go forward with them. And kind of the nice thing with that is that there can be a bad situation where two people are like ultra, you know, wasteful and neither person is right. is very frugal. But hopefully you have one person that's more frugal than the other. And this person is going to be setting the bar that's going to kind of bring the marriage back to a more reasonable spending level. But that can only happen when you have people that are, that are having these um, conversations. Um, something else is there just there's kind of like so much anxiety um, associated. Finances are one of the greatest causes of anxiety, and you know you look even secularly, and you ask people about what keeps them awake at night, yep. and finances will be one of the answers that is given more than almost anything else. Well, when you have a married couple and they're having financial issues one person can become very bitter or resentful toward the other person because they're blaming them for the financial issues that they feel like that person, you know, is causing them. And so again, it kind of comes back to talking about these things, a budget that you're going to stick to. And so you're not making impulsive purchases, kind of doing some of the things we talked about in the previous episode and saying, Hey, we said we would spend this much money. Mm -hmm. We said we would eat out, you know, this many times per month, or we said that we would, uh, you know, this is what we're going to do. So let's stick to this. And then that can prevent some of those problems from creeping into the marriage. Okay. I'm going to ask you a hard question here. Um, and this is not a personal question for me, just so just <laughs> so I clear the air on that. Because <laughs> um, this is not the case with this. But talk to the mom right now, because most of our listeners are moms. Talk to the wife whose husband is a good leader he provides well for their home, you know, for their family. He works so that she can stay home, but he's the spender and mom is the frugal one. And that's a really hard thing, I think, for some women to balance because she's called to be submissive to her husband, 
but her husband is the one who is maybe not being as responsible financially as she would like to be. And maybe he's pulling their family into debt, not really realizing the the strain that he's causing on his marriage. And so that's a hard position for mom to be in because how does a wife say to her husband, you're the leader of our home, you're working for us, but I don't want you to spend this money. I don't want you to, to handle our money this way. So almost every single woman, if it's not finances, there's going to be some issue that she looks at her husband and she's frustrated with the way he does things. Mm-hmm. I do probably talk about marriage more than I talk about anything else. And in this case, you're it's a little bit of reverse. You said the guy is a strong spiritual leader, but he isn't very wise financially. Well, many times there's a woman who wishes her husband was more spiritual. He's not a strong spiritual leader. He works hard. Right. He's responsible. And so the issue is a woman who's called to recognize her husband's headship mm-hmm. and expected to submit to him and respect him, yet he makes decisions that that she really struggles with. And interestingly, the approach that women are ex- expected to take is given in 1 Peter 3.1 that she is going to win over her husband with her behavior and, and him seeing Christ through her verses with her words. So, you know, Genesis 2.18, God... The first time he sees something that's not good, he says it's not good for man to be alone. He creates a helper for for uh, you know his his uh, for Adam his wife yeah. yeah for Adam exactly and every husband needs that after that and one of the ways wives help their husbands is by talking to them. But then they want to pull up short from actually nagging and they need to begin praying and they need to begin asking that the Lord will work on that husband's heart because the more that the wife stays after him, mm-hmm. then the more he can be stubborn, dig in his heels and actually just say, you know what, I'm going to do what I want to do. It's a weakness of ours. I'm mm-hmm. not, I'm not defending that behavior that, that we engage in as men, but I'm just, no, I'm just saying that in most of the counseling I've done, I've noticed that when a woman pursues the husband with her words or, or enters into nagging, it actually causes him to kind of cross his arms and say, I'm just going to, you know, do what I want to do. It's yeah. got to be her winning him over with her, her Christ-likeness her gentleness and praying for him mm-hmm. And that God would change his heart she, and that he'll look for good counsel, you know, or that he'll be convicted about his behavior. Yeah. Yeah. Great answer. Okay. Let's take a quick break. We'll be right back. Are you struggling with managing homeschooling your child on a day-to-day basis? BJU Press has a new homeschool planner that can simplify your homeschooling. With BJU Press Homeschool Hub, you can see your child's work for each day, track grades and grade assignments all in one organized system. The BJU Press Homeschool Hub can make your experience more manageable and more enjoyable. You can have the resources you need for painless planning and happy homeschooling. Visit BJUPressHomeschool.com to see how the Hub can improve your homeschooling. Parents everywhere are waking up to the fact that God is calling them to teach their children His Word. BibleQuest gives you a plan and resources to do just that, using the incredibly effective classical model. Help your students memorize biblical information through games and scripture memory songs. Build their understanding with easy-to-use Bible discussions. Mentor them to wise doers and sharers of the Word. Biblical knowledge, understanding, and wisdom for a lifetime. Try four weeks free at BibleQuestClassical.com forward slash rocked. R-O-C-K-E-D. That's BibleQuestClassical.com forward slash rocked. R-O-C-K-E-D. We are back with Scott. Uh, we have a few minutes left. And in these last few minutes, I want to talk about kids. We talked about marriage in the first half of this episode. Um, 
I love talking about kids. I, I love talking about entrepreneurship and how to raise our kids to be financially responsible. I think one of the greatest things, and, and I don't say this like I'm patting myself on the back, we actually did this because it was out of necessity, not because it was something that we planned, but um, a few years ago, you know, just because of the financial situation that we are in. And, and I mean, we have to re- rely on the Lord literally for ev- to, still for every penny that comes in um, for our family. Our girls would want things and we would be like, well, it's just not in the budget. We just don't have money for you to, you know, right right now, as a matter of fact, right now, my girls are both working to earn money to go to camp. Um, they're going to go to summer camp this year. And so um, we said, well, okay, we're, we're happy for you to go. They're going with their American Heritage um, Girls troop and it's very exciting, but we just simply don't have the budget for them to go. So you girls are going to have to earn money. And so they both have come up with different ways. You know, Brooklyn is selling art pieces and Lacey is selling Easter baskets this, you know, over the next couple of weeks. And I mean, they're just are different things that they do. Uh, Lacey, she's so funny. She will go to Sam's club and she will buy a box of fundraiser chocolate bars. And she will literally walk door to door and sell a chocolate bar that she paid 80 cents for, for $2, because who doesn't want chocolate to show up at their front door, right? I mean, it's just a wonderful (laughs) thing. It's a win-win for everybody and and people, (laughs) right? And so people will usually give her like tips and stuff too. It's really funny. But anyway, um, we've really encouraged our girls. and, And the beauty of that is that it causes them to think before spending their money because when they have to buy a pair of shoes with their own money, they can buy the $80 pair of shoes or the $30 pair of shoes. And they really think twice, but when it's mom and dad's money, they'll spend it. I mean, they don't even think about the price tag at all. So I know Scott, that you have done the same thing with your kids. You've got nine kids. So clearly you guys don't have on a pastor's budget, the money to pay for every child to fulfill every desire of their heart. And so I see your kids on Facebook and and we know your family well enough to know that you have really trained them well to become entrepreneurs themselves. Mm-hmm. Talk about the importance of that and then teaching our kids to become good stewards of what God has entrusted to them, even at the age of like eight or nine. So I love that this is a, a homeschooling podcast of talk, talking to people who have this time with their children, yep. you know, and you kind of think in the public school, what are kids get home, school finishes at three, maybe they play a sport, go home five, six, do an hour or two homework. You know, your kids, you have 30 minutes with them before they go to bed or something. Yeah. Whereas homeschooling, we're with them all day and we're not going to do 15 hours of schoolwork with them. And so what else are we going to do during that day? And sometimes people wonder, you know, we don't want to just plug them in front of a screen mm-hmm. or video games or movies all day. And we expect them to be productive, to be creative, um, to be building, to be selling. And so to thinking about business. And so, yeah, we've told our kids that from a young age that we're going to allow them to be bored. Yeah. So they find things to do. Um, it's great for kids to hear no. I know it's might not be, it's harder for some parents to say no. Than others, but it's a really good thing for kids to be told no yep. and to be left to be bored so they are forced to find entertaining, um, creative things to do. I think what you and Garrett, Garrett are doing is just fantastic for your girls. You said, if you want to do this, if you want to go, then you guys can work for it. And it sounds like they're, they're doing a really great job. And I guarantee that when they go, it, they're going to get even more out of it. It's going to be yep. that much more valuable because of what they put into it. And it's the difference between what you are given versus what you work for. Right. And so, I, you know, as a school teacher and there were students, you give them something and they don't value it as much. They might appreciate it for the moment, but when there's something that they had to work for, there's just that much more investment in it. It's that, that much more meaningful. Um, one of the things we've done with our kids is when they've wanted things, 
there there are some things we'll buy for them, but we frequently say we'll pay for half of it. Mm-hmm. Sure. And they need to have some skin in the game. You know, they need to, they're going to need to work for that. And we've told our kids, I mean, it's one of the things that I kind of, I find very frustrating about our society, you know, child labor laws or the kids can't work. And, and I mean, I'm like, kids can be working at a very young age and we've got the other day we finished the business cards from my son's landscaping business. Oh, He's got to go around passing these out, trying to get customers. The other uh, one of my, it's kind of surprising. I never thought about my son being into baking, but one of my sons is making cinnamon rolls. Yeah. My daughter is selling stuff. And so we, and they don't, they're not always successful. Everything mm-hmm. doesn't go right. wonderfully, yep. but that's, but that's another thing that's really good is failure. We learn a lot from failure it is great for our kids to struggle, to suffer at times, yep. to fail at times. Yep. And it's and it's a lot better for that to happen at a young age versus failing when they're a lot older and right. there's a lot more at stake. I mean, at this time, what, you know, they try a business, they learn it doesn't work, they didn't lose a whole lot, maybe just a little bit of time, but even that's worth what, what they learned from it. Um, one of the reasons I think it's so important to talk about finances with our children is people get really, well, if I back up a little bit, I regularly tell people that the most important resource they have associated with finances is not money, it's time. Um, if people learn the time value of money, they recognize that that regardless of how much money you have, the sooner, the earlier you start investing, saving, the better. And so we have been, we open bank accounts for our children yep. at, at super young ages and they get, I think I actually have it here on my desk, their, their statements from the bank just came in the other day and they're excited to see their accounts mm-hmm. and see how much they grow. And then the younger kids see what the older kids have. And, and it's kind of like, how do they get so much money? And I said, well, you know, Ray has been working and Ricky's been working. And then I make them put their money in, in the accounts when they get it. And then they, they like to watch those, those numbers grow. Interestingly, we did something the other day. I was investing in something and I told my kids, I said, if you want to take money out of your savings, I will record that amount and you, you, I will invest it for you and you'll get the same return that I get mm. from it. Or I, maybe I even guaranteed them. And I said, guaranteed to them that they would get a certain return because I appreciated the sacrifice that they would make that they wouldn't get this money back for like three or five years or something. Yeah. And so um, just involving your kids in these sort of financial things at a young age where they're, where they're familiar with it so they don't start getting serious about an, a retire. Like we open retirement accounts for my kids. Some people don't even know this. You can open a parentally guided IRA for your children at super young ages. And it, it took a pretty long, it was almost a whole a, a day of filling out all the paperwork because there's, you know, nine kids. Yeah. I don't know how many <laughs> I did that day. If it was like seven, because I don't, I mean, I know the very youngest don't have IRAs, but we did open IRAs for the children. And they, I think they can invest like a thousand or something. I don't, I don't know what the limit is, but the, it's not even so much about the finances. Mm-hmm. It's about what the children are learning. Right and the habits that they are developing um, through this and just making them aware of this. And so they're, they're developing an interest in saving. They're recognizing the value of money. They're not, Mm -hmm. they're not being um, wasteful. And it's kind of tied hand in hand with that idea that we have all this time with our kids during the day. And so what can we have them doing for work? And they're, you know, so what, and I think we have to be some of their biggest encouragers. They we're the ones who have to say, you know, I, I, you got to get out there. You're going to have to go door to door. You got, you can't get too discouraged when you don't sell your, right. you go, your you know, as bars. much chocolate as you want to sell. Yeah. <laughs> you know, don't, don't give up. See, that's and, a great one. Cause then uh, you just eat the chocolate that doesn't sell and it's a win-win for everyone. 
<laughs> yeah, and I don't know if, if Lacey's, you know, gracious and it, or doesn't expect you to pay for it or something she like is. that. But, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> so, you know, Rhea made stickers and things, you know, and, and I, I'm, I was happy to buy sure. from her what I, what I got from her. Um, and so, but you kind of want to look at your children's interests and all of our kids. I mean, that's one thing most parents recognize that it's shocking. They come from the same parents, they're in the same yeah. family, and they're so vastly different. Yes regarding their interests. And so I think it's really important as a parent, I almost think of this, I don't want to sound too like ultra spiritual, but it talks about Jesus. He doesn't extinguish that wick. He's kind Mm -hmm. of looking to fan that flame. You know, he keeps it going, it's smoldering, but he doesn't let it go out. And you're kind of looking for your children where, what the flame is, and you're kind of fanning it and seeing, well, what is this child passionate about? What are they interested in? And then kind of helping them along to see what they can do with that. So Johnny He's always been really interested in animals. And so a few years ago, I'm not joking, his job around the neighborhood was walking people's animals or dogs for them. Yeah. And there were there were people that were interested in having Johnny go and walk their dogs. And you said earlier something about, I think you said tips. Uh-huh. Yep. Um, <laughs> I think because adults mm-hmm. look so positively on yep. young people working and being responsible that even though, you know, they're supposed to pay 10 or 15 bucks, they're give they're given 20 or 30 bucks. I mean, it's been astonishing some of the tips that my kids have, (laughs) have gotten. Yeah. You want to hear the funniest story of of Lacey's little entrepreneurship um, (laughs) abilities. So a a few years ago, it was when we were still um, in Georgia, that there was a neighborhood yard sale. (laughs) You're going to crack up with this. She didn't have anything to sell because we didn't really have anything, but she was, again, this was before summer. She was raising money for something. I can't remember. It wasn't summer camp because she wasn't going to camp, but to to do something. And so she set up a table. (laughs) She put her hair in pigtails and looked like the cutest little girl. And this was maybe two or three years ago. So she was probably like eight, eight or nine. She put her hair in pigtails, looked like a cute little girl, put on like her cutest outfit. And she sat at this table and she sold compliments to people. I'm not joking. People paid her to give them compliments and she took it seriously. And she's so, I mean, you've met Lacey. She's super cute. And so she would, she Uh would, someone would come up and it was all by donation. And so they would pay her and she would look at them and she would just look up and down. She'd be like, I like your hair. I really like this. <laughs> and I they really would pay like her for it. It was so funny. And um, I don't know how much money she made that day, but she probably made like 30 bucks selling compliments. Uh-huh. <laughs> she was like, yeah. only Lacey could do that. We, we used to live across from this high school and the kids would come out at lunch and my kids had spent all morning uh, making these c- cookies that they were going to sell to the high schoolers when they came out for lunch. And all the high schoolers came out and, and I'm not joking. They didn't sell one single cookie oh, no. and it was like ultra sad. My kids were so disappointed <laughs> and everything. And I was watching through the window. I was waiting for the students to come over and across the street and buy the cookies. And it was obvious that the students just didn't know they were there. Yeah. And so my kids were, were really discouraged. And so I, I called the principal. Um, he, he was a pretty neat guy. He's a Christian and, I, and his name's, his name's John Schaup. And I, I said, Hey, Mr. Schaup, you know, this, this is pastor Scott. We had a pretty good relationship because the church is right across from the school. And I said, you know, my, my kids were, um, I don't, I don't know what you would be able to do here to possibly, I'm not expecting a whole lot, but they were sitting out front at their little table with all their cookies and, the, and they didn't sell anything. And he's like, Oh, you know, I'm going to, I don't know if he made a school-wide announcement or something the next day. 
But in, in like five minutes, the kids sold out all of their cookies oh the next day. <laughs> yeah. And so, I mean, I actually had, I don't remember how much it was, how many hundreds of dollars it was, but I had to go to my kids and I had to take the money just because I thought I can't let them be running around right. here with like hundreds of dollars. <laughs> you know, they're like seven and six years old or something. Right. But um, I guess my whole point is sometimes you're just kind of watching what they're doing yeah. and trying to support from the background and help, help them along here and praise the work that they're doing, give them, give them, you know, the encouragement that they need. And, um, J- my son, Ricky had bought this, he had bought this wagon that he was pulling around his lawnmower and weed eater on his bike. And of course, what he wants is to be 16 and have his car right. and, and the trailer behind it. And he, he actually bought this wagon and then kind of somehow attached it to his bike and would drive around. Well, you're only going to probably have to drive through town one time. Right the number of people that are going to see you and just be impressed with yeah. the maturity of a young man trying to to do business you it's i mean that's like the best advertising right. is just seeing young people trying yeah. to to do things a lot of adults want to come alongside and support that yeah. support that yeah so. it's a great thing so so parents encourage your kids to become entrepreneurs to work hard for what they have and teach them how to be good stewards of it so we are out of time but scott thank you so much for your time this week thank and you, your everybody. encouragement um scott's book is called your finance is god's way you can find it at scottlapierre.com no dot net Dot net? Dot org. Dot org. We'll put the link in the show notes um, and we'll put a link to the book in there as well. Thank you guys for listening this week. I hope you have been encouraged as I have been. Have a great rest of your week and we will be back with you on Monday with another fantastic guest. Bye. What we do at IEW is break through the, the noise of the grammar and the writing prompts, and we say, this is what you do, step by step. And I've witnessed it over and over again, both watching Andrew teach and hearing from parents, this is the best writing program. We've made it so easy and made it really affordable. So any mom can teach writing to their children using our course, and we guarantee it. To try three weeks of free lessons, visit IEW.com.